It's the sound of a civilised society. Trucks collecting our glass and cardboard and PET bottles so they can all be recycled properly. But not everywhere has the infrastructure or the investment to make the most out of what gets thrown away by us all. How can we stop thinking about our empty packaging as waste and make sure we see things like plastic bottles made from PET as a valuable commodity? One company which is doing just that is Closed Loop Partners in the US. Nestle Waters has been working with them to help turn our garbage into a sustainable resource. I'm Ron Gonen, and I'm CEO of Closed Loop Partners. I set up Closed Loop Partners when I'd had the experience of being an entrepreneur for a decade and being in a senior position in government. And I saw all of the value and change that entrepreneurs can create in society, especially if they understand how to work with government. And so decided to take those two experiences that I had and launch an investment firm that would back leading entrepreneurs who are looking to have the most impact and create the most change in society. I'm Bridget Croak. I'm a managing director at Closed Partners. I both like the fact that we're going about solving this challenge in a unique way rather than the kind of traditional advocacy ways, but we're really making the economic and business case for why the circular economy makes sense. And I do believe that it makes both logical and economic sense and also can have a strong environmental impact as it optimizes the use of our resources. It's kind of an easy thing for everyone to get behind. Unlike a lot of other, I think, more daunting issues, the circular economy is highly achievable in a pretty short period of time. We'll come back to the circular economy in a few minutes. But first, Bridget Croak told me how much people in the US understand the need for recycling. Recycling has been a part of our culture for many years in the US. People feel generally a responsibility to recycle, but I don't think that means it's easy. There are a lot of types of plastics, for example, and only about 9 or 10% of the world's plastics are currently recycled, so clearly we have a long way to go. Some plastics, like PET bottles, are fairly easy to get through a recycling system and are valuable in the commodity markets. Others, things like juice pouches that have multiple materials embedded into them, are much harder to sort and don't have great markets. And then we also kind of deal with the fact that in some parts of the U.S., we have really good, consistent recycling infrastructure and clear instructions on what to do. And then in other parts of the country, people have almost no access. So it's very inconsistent. I think we need to ensure that everyone both has consistent infrastructure and that the packaging that's put out in the world can be recycled for value. So we aren't putting unreasonable expectations on the consumer to do things that are a burden beyond what they should be kind of familiar with in terms of what is and isn't recyclable. Ron, how much do you see companies either grasping innovation like Nestle to help encourage recycling or companies that are entrenched in their ways and not responding to change? I think we have both in the United States. I think we have some companies that are very supportive, very innovative when it comes to recycling and sustainability. And I think they do that because they actually see a significant business benefit for them in terms of either reducing cost or reducing risk, or it's something their customer wants or their employees want. 
And then we also have companies in the United States that stand in the way of progress. And those companies that are standing in the way of progress, notably recycling, it's not because they have some personal objection to recycling. They do it because the legacy system that they're operating under makes them a lot of money and they don't want to change. And that's where I think federal systems and protocols are really critical because we have to make sure that the laws are structured in such a way that benefit the taxpayer and the citizen and reward the companies that are most progressive. And I think because we haven't had that in a significant way in the United States, except for in some localities, we've really taken a voluntary approach to working with companies. So we have 13 plus companies that are investors and close with partners, and that's all voluntary because they see the business benefit. But there's definitely plenty of headwinds that are holding back some other companies. And so that's definitely increasing the amount that companies are thinking about this is accelerating for a whole host of reasons. But that policy piece definitely could act as an accelerant. What's meant by the circular economy? The circular economy focuses on ensuring that materials are consistently and eternally reused for manufacturing, and if not, are put back into the earth for beneficial use. The best way to understand the value of the circular economy is to maybe first understand the cost of the linear economy, which is what we've operated under since the 1950s, which is a system in which in order to manufacture something, you first need to extract a natural resource, oil for plastic, ore for metal, trees and lumber for paper. And doing that costs money. Someone has to pay for that extraction. You then use it once, and then it gets disposed of in a landfill or thrown into an ocean. And that also costs money. It costs money to put something in a landfill. Then that happens billions and billions and billions of times a year. And that type of system works in the financial benefit of the extractive industry. So the oil and gas industries, the mining industries, so on and so forth. Every time you want to manufacture something, they get a fee for extracting a natural resource. And the landfill industry is also a financial beneficiary. As soon as you're done using that item one time, you pay them to stick it in their landfill. And so the goal of the circular economy is to eliminate that cost of extraction and that cost of disposal. And that's going to be to the financial benefit and to the health benefit of consumers, taxpayers, local municipalities, and consumer goods companies. So, Bridget, what are closed-loop partners doing to encourage these changes? We're investing in kind of a whole host of technologies from smart, refillable packaging systems. How do we keep the packages that exist in circulation and use them in the most efficient way? We're investing in new material science. In some cases, we need new materials to solve some of the challenges. In some cases, we need better infrastructure to be able to recirculate the material that exists today. So ultimately, through kind of a whole host of investments that we're making across the whole system, we're working to design waste out of the world entirely to make everything work in a more economically viable way without having the environmental impacts that we have today. Ron, you effectively ran New York's recycling for a number of years. It's a very wealthy city huge amount of consumption, a huge amount of waste. What are the lessons you took from working with the city? If you provide people convenient infrastructure, they will participate. Number one, 
Number two is if you explain to people the economic and health value of why you're asking them to do what you're asking them to do, they will do it. The great thing about recycling when it comes to municipalities is it's always going to save you money relative to throwing it in the garbage. The question is, how do you get the capital to build that proper infrastructure? That's really what the impetus for Closed Zip Partners was in our very first fund, our Closed Zip Infrastructure Fund, where we pulled together multiple large corporate entities and brands to pool their capital to invest via below market rate loans to municipalities and recycling companies to be able to help advance that recycling infrastructure faster because the economics do make sense, the payback makes sense, but that initial capital expenditure can be very challenging for municipalities and some recycling companies. So if we can help reduce that burden so that they can ultimately have the better choice, the payback is clear. Coming back to the question of PET recycling, Plastic has had a bad press over the years, but for many producers and consumers, it's still the best solution for delivering clean, recyclable products. How do we make the most of plastics and avoid the problem of plastic waste in landfill and in the environment? PET, the plastic bottles that water and other beverages come in, it's very recyclable and it has a lot of value as a feedstock for future packaging. But that said, for PET recycling to work, people need to have the option to recycle with clear instructions. We need to ensure that all plastic packaging is recyclable. If not, it's just too confusing for consumers to distinguish the recyclable plastic resins and formats that have market value from those that don't. There's kind of a whole suite of solutions that we need in order to solve these waste issues. And so in addition to the best, most recoverable high-value materials in packaging, we also need to consider reusable and refillable options, making those available and convenient to consumers. And we're definitely seeing a massive uptick of brands who are working on really cool innovations and solutions there. How do you get more PET into the recycling process? I think it starts with communication and then infrastructure. And what I mean by communication is most consumers and taxpayers don't realize that PET is actually very profitable for their local recycling program and municipality. What they're inundated with in the news is that plastic can't be recycled, recycling is in crisis. That's what they constantly hear. What they don't hear is that recycling of PET is highly profitable for their local recycling program and municipality. And we need to get that communication out to consumers and taxpayers so they feel the motivation and have the clear understanding as to why they're being asked to do this. And then we need to make sure that we provide them the infrastructure to do it. So the value of recycled PET is great enough to help pay for recycling and waste management? Yes, PET is very valuable as a commodity to recycle. The challenge we have in the United States is if I walked up to 10 people on the street and said, is it important to recycle beverage containers? My guess is most of them would say, well, if I want to be good for the environment, I should do it. But from what I read in the paper, it costs money. Their answer is 50% right, 50% completely wrong. The 50% that's right is it is good for the environment to recycle PET. The 50% that they're completely wrong about is that it costs money for the city to do it. It actually saves money because you avoid the landfill disposal fee. And then the city can make money by recycling its PET. And if we made that clear to the citizenry, they would understand and have a clear motivation to make sure that 
all the PET was being recycled. It's a simple equation. Any PET that is not recycled, the taxpayer through their municipality has to pay, depending on where they are in the United States, anywhere from $25 on the low end to $100 on the top end to landfill it. PET, if you don't recycle, it doesn't just disappear. It requires taxpayer money to go to a landfill. If you don't send it to a landfill and save that money, it then goes to a recycling facility. Recycling facilities today make a profit off of processing PET. Now, some of that profit today goes to cover other types of packaging and commodities that are not profitable. So that's another conversation of, should we allow products and packaging into the market that are not profitable to recycle? But today, the profit from the PET will first go to cover some of those products and packaging that are not profitable to recycle. And anything that's left over usually gets shared with the municipality. And unfortunately, we have low recycling rates when it comes to PET in the U.S. And so a lot of that value, unfortunately, isn't being realized. PET doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's part of an ecosystem of materials that gets recycled. So we do need all materials that have the potential to go into a recycling system. We need them to be technically and economically effective to recycle. And if there are a lot of materials that look the same or are different plastics, but the consumer just thinks plastic, they don't differentiate between is it PET, is it HDPE, is it LDPE? We can't expect people to know that. So ultimately, we need to make sure that everything that's going out there is recyclable. If a brand is putting out packaging, it needs to be recyclable. It's just too confusing for consumers otherwise. That means design changes. It means also using recycled content in their packaging to spur the market and make sure that the economics work. Nestle Waters has invested millions into the closed-loop infrastructure fund. What kind of projects has their money helped create? Overall, the infrastructure fund has invested in about 27 companies and municipalities across the U.S. and Canada that focus on collection, sorting that material, and processing it into a valuable, recyclable commodity. The projects have contributed to over $13 million in economic benefit to municipalities, affected over 4 million households, and kept millions of tons of material out of the landfills and, and kept that in the economy. So that's the broad context. But more specifically within that, we've invested in carts and trucks to help communities collect recycling efficiently. We've done upgrades and new builds of recycling facilities that sort out that material in a cost-effective way. We've invested in technologies that make recycled content easier to put back in packaging again, to decolor and decontaminate those plastics. And sometimes we're investing in new markets for recycled commodities. One example is in California, we invested in a company called Our Planet Earth, which is a bottle-to-bottle PET facility, which is significantly increasing the ability to get PET packaging kind of from the household through the system and back into a bottle again so that it can cost-effectively get back into packaging again. Ron, the world has changed quite a lot in the last few years since you started the Closed Loop Partnership. Are you optimistic for the future? Absolutely. I wouldn't be uh, investing a lot of capital in entrepreneurs and innovative companies if we weren't very excited for the future and look forward to uh, enabling everybody to participate in a circular economy. 
Ron Gonen and Bridget Croke of Closed Loop Partners, encouraging investment in recycling and making the most out of commodities such as water bottles made from PET. But why is PET the material of choice for things like water bottles? And what innovations are happening to make it even better and more sustainable? In the next part of my journey for Nestlé's Together for Circularity podcast, I'll be hearing from Nestlé research scientists who are finding new ways to improve PET to make it more sustainable. And I'll hear how plastic water bottles can now be made from sustainably managed biomass, including food waste. If you want to find out more about Nestlé Waters and the circular economy, go to nestlewaters.com and click on See What We Do. I'm Alistair Elphick. Thank you for listening to this modulated media production.